Welcome to the Hill Pursuit Podcast, where we talk about training and life. Enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the Hill Pursuit Podcast. It is June 28. This is episode 31. Um, what, what do we got? Six, about 6 a.m. in the morning, um, Monday morning, starting the week off. Hopefully with a, a great episode for you guys. I'm Hayden. This is Mitch. Mitch, what's going on, man? How's everything? It's good, man. It's good. Thermostat, uh, where I'm at, it's kind of getting cranked up early. Thermostat's <laughs> getting cranked up. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Same over here, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I just got a little jog in, and it's already like 70 degrees at yeah. 5.30 in the morning. And, dude, yesterday, too, was – I didn't even tell you that. Yesterday, I went for – I have my like my longer runs on the weekend. Yeah. I'd like to sleep in one day on the weekend if I can. And so I slept in yesterday, so I had to do my run in the afternoon and dude, it was like eighty-eight and it felt like it was low nineties. Mm-hmm. And I knew it would be hot. So I just yeah. like I tried to slow down and I was literally just trucking along like a little old lady. And (laughs) I was still like just smoking hot. It was so, it was so hot yesterday. So it's like, it's definitely turning. The weather is definitely turning. It's getting really hot, but, um, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm cool with it. I like, I like training in the heat too. So, but anyway, before we kind of get rolling, um, if you're listening, thanks for listening. Follow along. The podcast is on Spotify, Podbean and Google podcasts. You can find all the previous episodes on our website, hillpursuit.com. You can also see the daily blog, training, fitness, life, everything in between at hillpursuit.com. And you can find us on social media at Hill Pursuit, Facebook and Instagram. So go like, give us a follow, share some of our stuff. Um, and if you want to start a conversation, you can always send an email to hillpursuit at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you guys. We have from time to time. So Send us some comments, send us some messages. Would love to hear from you guys. But anyways, today, Monday morning, starting off episode 31. Um, well, first, before we really dive in, um, anything fun with training for you lately? What's been going on? Uh, nothing too crazy, man. I, uh, you know, we talked about my elbow last podcast. Yeah. Um, so I, when was it? Saturday. Saturday night, I did some overhead press, but super light. I think I had like, did the bar, I took the bar for a ride, a couple reps, just going through the motions. Um, and then I uh, think I worked up to 90, just 95 and did like five sets of three. Um, I just wanted to see, I just wanted to move it, see if I could get some, see how it felt. I didn't really go to lockout either on the presses. I think I probably just went shy of locking it out. Mm-hmm. And then finished that up, did uh, so I don't have a, I'm not sure if people are familiar with a landmine. So essentially what it is, is um, you take the barbell and you put in like a, the, one of the sleeves, which is the end of a barbell is called a sleeve and it goes into like a sheath and then it, it will pivot back and forth. Um, so I don't have one of those and you can do a lot of different movements with it. So I just, you can put the barbell in the corner of a wall or against some sort of corner and acts the same way. But, uh, I did some, uh, 
elevated uh, landmine rows and just really focused like really since the elbow thing I really been focusing on the eccentric part of rowing or any of like my movements that I do with my upper body um, I did a lot of those and finished with some uh, kettlebell swings I'm, I'm kind of falling in love with those things again yeah kettlebell swings yeah, yeah and um, did some real slow eccentric tricep uh, push downs where I real slow on the way up then finish off with some uh, I did I just put the clock on for 15 minutes and I would uh, run about I'd say it was about 100 yards and then I'd walk back go again probably about 70 percent from a sprint nice uh, and uh, so that felt good and uh, like I said I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to hit up jujitsu again this week so yeah, yeah. see uh, see if I can start dabbling back into that but that's it nothing too crazy squat today so cool squat today yeah let's let's dive right into that discussion because we were talking, you know, outside the outside the show a little bit about um, training hypertrophy with some of these compound movements. Um, so things like back squat, you know, any squat variation, I guess, squat, bench press, or any type of other press, I guess, um, mm-hmm. and deadlift and variations. So, um, you know, we'll get into what each of us feel about it and its relevance and stuff but real quick hypertrophy just kind of by definition is to train to increase muscle size is an easy way to describe it the percentage the percentage of a 1rm if you're training off of a 1rm and you can kind of actually why don't you talk about this as it relates to because you train off of about a 3rm correct is that right generally roughly yes. for the most part yeah so yeah. if you're training off of a 1rm it's going to be less than 85 percent and you know if we're by the book and we can talk about this too i think we should if we're by the book your repetitions are going to be closer to about 12 repetitions as opposed to you know like your high strength stuff where you're really only about three to five repetitions pretty high percentages yeah. uh, so just as a little background, if you're, if you're listening, you know, you hear this word hypertrophy, what's hypertrophy or, you know, hypertrophy, you know, however, you know, different people talk about it, but um, it's essentially just training to increase muscle size. So, you know, when you hear that, the, you know, the, the easy way to um, picture what that means or what it looks like is, you know, what would you say, actually, the first type of athlete that comes to mind hypertrophy three two one go who is it bodybuilder what'd you say bodybuilder yeah absolutely bodybuilder so um you know you and i both are not that but hypertrophy still has relevance and um whether or not it has super significant relevance with compound lifts we'll talk about i think we should also i also want to talk about like what it looks like for potentially some power or more like Olympic type movements. Um, how we, you know, how you train or, you know, just, just what hypertrophy could look like with different types of compound and and multi-joint movements. So, um, you know, what, what are your, well, why don't you talk about the, the three RM thing, first of all, and how you would, or how you do, um, lift, within those, you know, percentages or how you develop percentages for increased muscle size or hypertrophy off of three RMs. What do you do? So when it comes to, um, I still, 
So I, I essentially will estimate a one rep max. I wrote a blog about this a while back. I essentially, when I find my my uh, my number, or I had found, I have found a number, I usually work out to a three rep max. We've talked about the reasons why, um, and I usually estimate a one rep max from there. And a, a estimated one rep max from an actual three rep max, I think you get pretty darn close. Um, and then I train from 85 to 90% of that one RM, estimated one RM. But I still use the same percentages as I would if it was a true one rep max. Because okay, I think if, if I increased it, what's the point? I'd be like that. The point of training off an 85% one rep max is to give yourself that leeway. So if I would increase it just to try to match what I think is equal to my actual one rep max, in my opinion, I'm totally, why not just train at a one rep max then? Yeah. Okay, so, so you find a true three rep max, but then predict your one RM, not just off the top of your head, but based on your three RM and then, Correct. and then program off of the predicted one RM. Correct. 85% okay. of that. 80, yeah, 80 to 90%. Yep. Absolutely. I, I know some people who definitely, I like that. I like that a lot. I think it's really relevant for more experienced lifters to do that. Um, I definitely know some people in some like large box gyms, they'll find a three or a five, probably a three, I guess. And then program 85%, but they'll use 85% of the three, and I think that's a lot more relevant for maybe a less experienced lifter or less experienced athlete um, yeah. who just isn't as comfortable with a one RM or the percentages, you know, like just essentially still in, still in a phase that, you know, we, we, we might call like a, um, like a neurophysiological adaptation phase where we're just like learning movements or like a motor learning phase where, you're not really ready to super overload the movements at mm -hmm. a one RM. So, um, but yeah, I think the way you do it is like very, very accurate for, um, someone who's experienced for me. Um, I actually don't like, I haven't one RM'd in, in literally forever just because Dude, you don't need to. Right. Exactly. Like right now I, I don't need to. So when I, I'm, I'm a little different with where I'm at, like in my sports season for sure. But, um, when I'm in the weight room now, I literally just go off of feel and I do, I do hypertrophy and endurance, um, percentages and rep ranges for the most part, I'll throw in some higher, um, some lower rep ranges from time to time, literally just to change it up. Not, not planned at all because what's mm -hmm. relevant what's more relevant for me now is hypertrophy endurance, uh, you know, absolutely, especially with about 10 weeks left, you know what I mean? So yeah. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be finding a three RM deadlift right now. I'm not going to be, you know, near maximal front or back squatting at all. Um, honestly, not even a lot of, uh, I'll do some overhead pressing, but not a whole lot of, um, horizontal pressing right now. But, um, it has its place. It's just for me right now in my sports season, it doesn't really make sense, but, um, I am a huge proponent of, um, compound lifts. I love using compound lifts. I think they're, they're great for, 
almost every single athlete, it'd be hard to find one that it's not really relevant for. Um, mm-hmm. not, not saying every single compound lift is, is relevant for every athlete every time of the year, right? Because I just said it's not super relevant for me right now to overload those movements. But um, let's talk about how it relates to hypertrophy. Like when you think about, when you think about a deadlift, for example, do you train, like, do, do athletes train a deadlift within um, the repetition ranges of hypertrophy? And, you know, even if it's in the repetition range, like, is the, is the goal of the deadlift to increase muscle size? Like, how, what's the relationship between a deadlift and hypertrophy, which is increased muscle size? Like, do, is it even relevant to do that? What do you think? Well, I'm not. I don't know what other athletes do, and this is probably just going to be me speaking off of myself, because, you know, I haven't, I have not trained a ton of people at all, you know what I mean, I, I'm, I'm, that's, I'm not in that realm, but this is pretty much going to be all personal experience, and with some people that I know, um, that have also trained similar to me, and that lift would probably be the first lift that I would say, I err on the side of caution of, higher repetitions um that's on a personal preference uh preference i have like messed with going 10 and then <laughs> i'll never forget i think one time i i loaded up the board i just decided to try to hit 20 on a certain number and i got smoked it was just it was one of, <clears throat> not saying you can never do it but on a continuum continuous basis i think that lift would be the one lift that maybe don't dabble in there that that's speaking with a straight bar. I think a straight bar, I think you're a little bit more vulnerable to um, maybe breaking down, um, breaking down your form and possibly injured on a higher rep. I think a hex bar, if people aren't familiar, or a trap bar, I think doing high rep with a trap bar is definitely a solid option. <clears throat> I think it keeps someone in a, <clears throat> a better position and if you do go wrong, I think it corrects yourself. And if you're not familiar with the trap or if you're listening, essentially it's a box. This is very vague explanation. It's a steel box that you step in. It's got two barbell sleeves on either side, loaded up <clears throat> and you deadlift. If you fall forward, it kind of corrects you coming back and vice versa. So I think for the deadlift, it's, that's a good option. And if, if you don't want to train volume, what I've done, I, uh, I've done the boring, but big by Jim Wendler, huge fan. It, and the boring, but big are like five by 10 and for every other lift. But for the deadlift, what I'd actually do is do 10 by five. So I'm still getting the same exact volume and lifting the same overall weight for an overall, all the five sets. It's just breaking it down. And it, good luck with that too. So, yeah, I <clears throat> I like that a lot. The number one thing that comes to mind for me when I hear hypertrophy or endurance, and then, uh, and then we, we kind of pair that with the topic of a deadlift, a con- we'll call it a conventional deadlift, right? Because like you said, a trap bar, or a hex bar is a really nice, it's a nice implement to, to essentially like correct or work on and practice your form and technique while still overloading a little bit. Right. So, um, that's, what's great about, um, a hex bar. Of course, if you're super experienced, you can significantly overload a hex bar, but for the most part, you're going to use it with maybe an athlete that's less experienced with a conventional deadlift 
so they can still overload that movement and those muscle groups and that movement pattern. But I think a big issue with a conventional deadlift and hypertrophy is the, num the number one thing that comes to my mind that you definitely touched on is just form technique and risk of injury at higher repetitions. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, there's a lot going on in a deadlift that if you're not seasoned and experienced in performing it, um, you shouldn't even do it period, first of all. Um, but then if you're attempting to find, you know, a 10 rep max, which I've seen before, or which falls right into the realm of hypertrophy, but, um, you could really overload, um, and your, your technique, um, can be sacrificed, you know, almost halfway through, not to mention, that you, I know, you know, this for some reason, when you're deadlifting at even moderate repetitions or moderate volume, it almost feels like, uh, you know, you're, you're sprinting a mile, right? Like you, mm -hmm. you get completely toasted because you are using every muscle in your body. Elevation change is going to increase the heart rate automatically. Any type of elevation change. I say elevation change. That's just, you know, concentric eccentric movements up down squatting up down yeah. any type of elevation change in your heart is going to increase increase your heart rate um not to mention you're stabilizing with every tiny muscle group throughout your body um mm -hmm. and again if you're not distributing your your weight evenly and 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 pushing effectively um i say pushing because um, you know, we might think of the deadlift, are you, you're grinning right now. Most, most people might think of the deadlift as a pull. What, what am I going to say? What, why are you smiling? <laughs> Cause you got to push your feet through the floor. Yeah. It's a lower body push, right? So you're, you're pushing your feet straight down through the floor. Um, so that's, that's how I typically think of it. I know that's how you think of it too. That's why you're smiling. But, um, so you know, you're, if you're not evenly pushing through the floor, um, you're distributing too much pressure on your posterior chain, or if you're too far forward, you're putting way too much pressure on, on your knees or maybe even your shoulders, which can, um, if, and if you're, if you're putting too much pressure through your shoulders, just in terms of stabilization, I mean, then you're automatically going to, um, anterior, anteriorly rotate your shoulders are going to uh, cave forward and then you're going to round your back. Then we're looking at all sorts of issues through the posterior chain. Um, so I have a big issue with the deadlift specifically. Um, I'm going to be honest, that principle can apply to <laughs> any other compound movement too, just due to the complexity of the movements. If you're not, the number one thing here is if you're not experienced enough to perform these movements, then first of all, you shouldn't do them at all. And you should talk to a coach about finding an alternative that trains the same movement pattern, the same muscle groups, but makes it easier, maybe more stable. Um, and um, if you're not experienced, then you really need to be mindful of the intensity that you're training within. So um, yeah, I, I just think there's a lot, it, it's a sticky area because, you know, people want to deadlift, people want to lift heavy weight off the ground. Um, 
it's a great, it's a great movement. It's a great uh, tool to develop total body strength and power. Um, but you just have to be careful with it. Um, I'm sure we could both come up with stories of where we're deadlifting and we're progressing too quickly and our back tweaks a little bit, or, you know, you're not warmed up quite enough. You're rushing through, or, you know, you can probably think of a moment where you didn't maintain perfect form, but you still tried one more repetition because you wanted to get five, you know, whatever it is. Um, yeah. and miss, you know, miss 480 you, the other day on my first pool. Well, just, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, saddle you, back, you saddle back up, baby. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the thing is, though, you make one of those decisions at the exact wrong moment, and then you could be out for six weeks, you know, so um, it's just one of those, it's a lift that requires a lot of experience and, and the experience, you know, the experience required to do a deadlift, you know, I'm not saying you need to deadlift for 10 years before you start overloading, but you do need to take your time and make sure you know, you have the proper mechanics before you overload a deadlift or before you um, rapid deadlift at high volume, right? Yeah. And I think learn the basics, learn how to learn how to deadlift correctly. And then as I think people have, and I think, yes, and kind of go on your own journey, you know, you'll start feeling when it's not a day to push the volume. You know, there's, I missed, I missed my number the other day. I started pulling it off the floor. Something didn't feel right. I let go, you know, I went back in and I'm like, I got, I got set up right. And I pulled and the whole way through, you know, and when you're training, when you're going for a one rep max, I guarantee it's not going to always look pretty. Like, you know, you see the deadlift form where it's, you know, your, your, your sink, your hips are constantly low and it's one smooth pull. Maybe some one rep max look like that, but a lot of them are going to, you know, there's going to be a little bit of, especially a deadlift, there might be a little bit of shaking going on, pulling it to, to lock out or whatever. Um, but don't just, if it's your first day going in the gym, do not just go in and one rep max on a, on anything, you know, learn the movements and Hayden, you said a good point. There's so many other ways you can learn a movement before you actually grab a barbell, um, which is a solid thing um, to definitely consider. And that's the deadlift we go into the other compound movement. So definitely err on the side of the costume to deadlift. Don't be scared of deadlifting though. Cause I think a lot of people say, Oh, I don't deadlift cause I don't want to hurt my back. Okay. Yes, you could hurt your back. You could, I could walk outside of my steps and fall down off my steps. It doesn't mean I'm going to not walk down my steps. Um, but you just have to learn the right way to do it and get comfortable in that position and going, pulling the weight off the floor or pushing your feet through the floor. Um, and, uh, learn learn with that so then we go to the other main when you think of the main movements overhead press yet yeah, we didn't talk about squat and um the bench so i guess if we're talking about lower body let's just stay on that train going to the squat my favorite lift of all time yeah um, i'm definitely i i think you can high rep squat if you if you are comfortable in the squat i absolutely am an advocate of high rep volume squatting i think it's one good for your body and mentally there's no better there's it's hard to get a tougher gut check than that yeah i like to squat a lot i like um for me personally i actually do more front squatting than back squatting um just due to the stabilization that's required 
um, the nature of the rack position in a front squat um, requires a lot more thoracic stabilization. So you're just, you're just activating a little bit more, you know, more muscular mm. nerve in a front squat. You absolutely can't overload it quite as much. Um, but I'm, like I said, I'm fine with that personally right now in, in terms of where I'm at with my sports seasons. But um, I also think, well, let's talk about why. I, I mean, I agree you can overload. Well, okay, not overload. I'm, I agree that you can train at higher volume with a back squat than a deadlift. Um, let's talk about why, though. So for me, when I think about that, um, I think about the bar position. So technically they're both open chain or yeah, they're both open chain movements with the barbell moving freely, but the way that you have to stabilize a deadlift makes, make your, um, your body position a little bit more compromised because that bar is not rested against anything. You're just holding it in your hands. Whereas with a back squat, yeah, the bars, the bars moving, you're in contact with the floor. You know, it's a similar movement pattern. You know, there's, you know, your flexion and extension of the hip knee ankle. Sure. But, um, the bar is rested on your back. So if you have proper, um, it, it, you know, if you're, if you're racked properly and your your posterior chain, your lower back, your hips, everything's in line, then you're, you're essentially just locked and loaded. You're good to go. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Three, three, two, one, go. That's not the same with a deadlift because the, the deadlift, um, with the barbell being free from the body, it just requires a lot more stabilization and a lot more emphasis on the, the technique itself. In my opinion, there's a lot more that could go wrong because that barbell is not locked in to a specific rack or mounted position. What, what do you think? Yeah. And when you say like the barbell is close in the deadlift or the barbell is free, I should say, people that aren't too familiar, things can get a little bit dirty when you deadlift if the, uh, the barbell starts to free away from your body. So essentially you want to keep it as close to your shins as possible when you're pulling like sumo conventional, whatever. Um, when that bar starts to drift away, that's when I think you put yourself in that vulnerable position where you could get hurt. So that's what you mean by that squat. Yeah, I agree. You know, the barbell is resting on your back. Now I'm obviously going to be biased to the squat. It's my most comfortable lift out of all the four. I feel the most comfortable in a squat. Um, and for me doing a high volume squat, I can feel if I'll know pretty quick when my form breaks down, if I need to hang it up. And with that being like, and I'm not talking out of breath. Like you are, if, if you do a 20 rep squat at a, like probably a higher, it's called a Widowmaker set at a higher rep, at a higher um, percentage, you're going to be winded. Like when yeah. you get to try yeah, it's like, it it's is, like sprinting at 800. Yeah, it is going to hurt. But with that being said, that is okay. Being out of, being out of breath, like gasping for air is okay. But start, you got, you kind of got to, you got to put that to the side and be mindful of how your form is. And if I'm going, if I'm on like rep 12, 13 out of the 20 rep set on the squat and I go down and I feel my hips immediately shoot up out of the hole and I'm like turning this into an RDL, 
and I'm only like rep 12, 13, I'm going to shut it down. You know, now say I'm on like rep 17, 18, and it starts to get a little bit ugly. Um, and it depends how it feels. This is all relative. That's why you have to put time underneath and feel it for yourself. I'll probably grind out the last three because it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult. Or if I'm if I'm staying with good form, like my hips are staying low, I can keep my back somewhat upright, but it's just a grind set and you're just it's super slow. That's okay too. But I think you gotta kind of watch if your hips are popping up first when you squat. You obviously when you go down squat, you're pushing your hips back, you're keeping your chest up nice and tall, and your elbows are staying under you. So when the form breaks down is when you're coming off the bottom, if your hips are popping up first or you're laying your chest fold forward. And I think a good cue is like show the left, if you have lettering on your shirt, show that to the people in front of you, right? You don't want to show it to the ground. If that starts facing down, you know, start keeping that in mind. And I, that's where you kind of got to feel, maybe that's when you shut it down. But I do definitely think high volume squatting can be applicable to someone that has the has the experience or uh, experience I hate to use because I'm not like the most experienced guy in the world either. Um, I have been squatting for who I've been squatting since I've been in middle school. So I've been doing it for at least, at least doing the movement for a while. Um, so I can at least feel it and do it. And it's just fun. I love high volume squatting. I think it's a blast. It sucks, but it's good. It's a good time. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> I think that cue you just said is really important for people to understand also and, and implement and differentiate between a common miscue that a lot of coaches give. Um, show the lettering on your shirt to the people in front of you, right? That's what you yeah. said. I think yeah. that's I think that's a perfect cue um, because what that what that cue forces somebody to do is. Um, a postural emphasis or adjustment that puts them in a, in a, um, a stronger position, right. That keeps their chest upright. As soon as the yes. chest comes up, the, the lower back is, is likely to stay nice and, and even and in line. Tight and tight. Like that's, that's what you all ultimately want. That's a, the cue for the show you sure is uh, to me is super simple but when you start to feel it, like you want that upper back tight, squeezing your uh, upper back together and pulling down um, on the bar. And, yeah. um, and that's just a real simple way for maybe someone that doesn't have the experience to know how to like feel those back muscles tighten up. I think that's like a perfect, hey, show the letters and I think it pops your chest up automatically. Yeah, I like that cue a lot. And I hear, you hear a lot of coaches, um, you know, eyes up, right? And <laughs> I don't think eyes up quite makes the postural adjustment with a lot of athletes. And, yeah. you know, you know, you can, you don't have to move anything in your body to just look up, you know, that's <laughs> see the whites of your eyes. Yeah. That like, that's that I just, I despise that cue for that reason. Cause that cue does not, that doesn't change anything. It, you yeah. know, no. make sure you're looking up and not looking down. Okay. It might put your neck in line with the rest of your spine, but your neck is not, is not, is not holding anything. You know, right. even the barbell, it's not, it's not on your neck. It's on the, it's on your back. It's on your shoulders. So, um, you know, the eyes up cue doesn't do anything for your, the mid or lower back to maintain, um, to maintain 
a, a powerful position or, or a structured position. Um, so I, I really like that cue. I'm going to be honest. I don't think I've heard that before, but I mean, that, that makes complete sense. Show the lettering on your shirt to the people in front of you, not the floor. That's mm -hmm. a postural cue right there. Um, yeah. And I, I love that. So, you know, if you're somebody out there working with athletes or you've heard this stuff before, that's a good postural cue that makes a real change when you're moving your body through space, not just your eyes. Your eyes don't, you don't have to move anything to shift where yeah, you're I could, I could have just, I could have just got buried with the barbell and I could have that thing laying on my back and you show me, show me your eyes. I could still do it. I could have yeah. my chest down on the floor. But no, definitely. And I like what you said, too. If you want to start like messing with a uh, higher volume squatting, dabble in other squat forms, goblet squats, you know, still awesome, still incredible, you know. And before you just jump with the barbell, mess with some other um, other squat, other squatting techniques, not techniques, other squatting modalities um, yeah. that mimic a barbell squat. So, yeah, yeah I mean, we're, we're kind of out of our time. Let's 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 talk about. um maybe a couple of implements or just, we, we already talked about, you know, a trap bar, hex bar, some other things that maybe people could do other forms of these same exercises yeah. um, to get, you know, to get more comfortable with the movement pattern before we're, before just walking in, grabbing a barbell on your own at your YMCA and having no clue what to do. Right. So um, like you just said, kettlebells for, you know, a goblet squat, um, which essentially you're maintaining, um, a goblet position with your hands or like a chalice, I guess, with your hands on the outside of a kettlebell, you can do this with a dumbbell too. And you don't, you don't just want your hands around it. You want your elbows in nice and tight also. And ideally you're maintaining contact. This is another important one that, that helps posturally you're maintaining contact with your, um, your sternum throughout that, throughout a goblet squat. And what that's going to do is keep your letters on your shirt facing the people in front of you. Um, if you don't maintain that contact, you can still hold that kettlebell or that dumbbell and, but you, you have, um, potential to lean forward. So if you yes. take your elbows and make sure you're maintaining contact with, um, the thoracic region of your sternum, that's going to keep your chest a little bit more upright. So I think that's a great way to start squatting. Um, I like kettlebells for deadlifting too. Um, you know, kettlebells, dumbbells, before I give everything, what else do you have for either of those two? And that's kind of where we'll wrap up with lower body stuff. But, um, what do you have for some other movements? Yeah, I think the goblet squat is a great, and that's, I think, that might be the one of the epitomes of or at the top of another way to squat without actually loading a barbell um, on the front or the back of your body. This is definitely going to tell you if you start leaning forward, you know, you're going to drop the weight. You know, it's pretty much going to fall out of your hands. So that's a great place to start. You know, if you have a weight vest or an access to a weight vest, throw that on and just do body weight squats with the weight vest on and do that for some high volume work and deadlift. You know, you have RDLs you can do or I think a hex bar is a great option too. Um, if you're starting to learn how, I'll learn how to deadlift as well. And um, yeah, and definitely there's some great resources. We can be a resource. Maybe we'll put some of the different, um, we'll definitely put some of the different options. I think if Hayden, you want to, I know you usually fill out like our little blurb on the podcast to put some different ways and 
you know, there's a bunch of resources also that are besides us to look, you know, as well. So check them out. Yeah, I have, uh, I have some other options here, some other movements, other implements. They'll definitely be in the notes of the show. So um, if you want those reminders, um, there they are. Um, if we, you know, if we get enough interest or enough um, um, feedback, potentially, um, I think it'd be cool to throw some videos up of, of some proper yeah, technique and stuff from time to time. So if that's something you're into, you know, let us know. We'd be happy to do that. We might do it anyways, but um, those movements are really important movements. Um, they're very, you know, they're foundational in a lot of, a lot of programs for athletes and, and recreational exercises alike. So it's really important to learn those movements. You don't want to rush into them. Um, you heard our opinion on hypertrophy for both of those for essentially for lower body compound lifts. I guess maybe another day we'll, we'll discuss some upper body stuff um, or maybe throw that in with another discussion. But um, you know, if you have some feedback for us, let us know. We'd love to have that conversation. Um, as another reminder, check this episode and all other episodes out on Spotify, Podbean, uh, Google Podcasts, and you can access all that stuff through our website, hillpursuit.com. And don't forget to give us a follow, like, subscribe, share all of our stuff on social, uh, Facebook, Instagram, at Hill Pursuit. Um, Mitch, what else you got? Anything? No. Everyone have a good Monday. Yeah, have a good week, guys, and we will see you hopefully later this week for episode three.